Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. I am so glad you are here. And today is a huge day, huge day, my friends, because today our book, The Successful Speaker, is available. This is a book that you've probably heard us talking about. You're like, Grant, I'm tired of you talking about this. I'm sorry. We're so proud of the book. The book is awesome and the book is available. You can now get your hands on it. The Successful Speaker is out in stores everywhere today, February the 18th. Go get your copy of the book. So to commemorate this and uh, to, to mark this special occasion, we are having having my partner in crime on this. Uh, Jeff Goins is joining us on today's conversation. We have a uh, conversation that he's asking us, me some questions and me asking him some questions. We'll talk about the book writing process, the journey of him being a, a non-ghostwriter, ghostwriter. We talk about uh, just the how the book came to be, all the behind the curtain, how, behind the scenes of how the book came to be, how it has each of our roles in the process. We also talk about how I basically uh, incept, inception, inception, inceptioned his brain. Is that the word? Inceptioned his brain. We're going to go with that for speaking and how just working on the book helped his own speaking career. So a lot of great stuff. This is a fun conversation. I think the world of Jeff and it was really excited to work on this project with him. So enjoy this conversation about how the uh, the, the successful speaker came to be in this uh, conversation with uh, myself and Jeff Coins. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant here, joined by Jeff Coins. What's up? Oh, you just made a big loud noise with your microphone. No, that's fine. It stays in. We're leaving it. This is, this is the way things work. We're live. Oh, all right. All right. Welcome. Hi. I'm welcoming you. You're not welcoming me. Okay. Well, here's the thing. So we're here to talk about the book. The book is out. We've been working on this project, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform. We've been working on this literally for a couple of years. The book is now live. I'm curious your recollection of today. We want to give some kind of behind the scenes and how the book came yeah. and all that. Right, right. Uh, your recollection of how all of this started to work together on a book. So I was hosting a mastermind at a coffee shop in Franklin, Tennessee, the frothy monkey. And it was for like a product launch that I had done. And like the top affiliates had gotten invited to this one day mastermind event that I was doing where I was sort of facilitating a group of bloggers, online entrepreneurs, people like that, that do what we do, sell on online courses and stuff. And so there were a few people there and we spent kind of all day digging into questions and struggles and stuff that they were having. And one of them was Chad Allen, who was working for Baker Books at the time, which is a book publishing company. And I think like at the end of the day, he asked me if... I knew of anybody locally that he should meet with while he was in town to talk about publishing a book. And for whatever reason, your name popped in my mind. I knew 
I knew you had written a book way back when, but it didn't necessarily tie into speaker lab stuff, yeah. which you've been doing now for a while. And I just knew that your business was growing, your audience was growing, and, and they had a decent sized email list, and everything was just kind of moving up and to the right. And that's the kind of thing that a publisher would be interested. And so I'm, I mentioned your name, and I don't remember what happened after that. Do you? So you, you did the luncheon thing and I came and did like a little Q and A thing. Oh, well, so you came to that thing while yeah, we were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So just a Q and A and then you texted me later that day. just like, I had to scroll back and see if I can find just a screenshot of the text. But basically just like, Hey, do you have any interest in writing a book? And mm-hmm. I was like, meh, 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 meh. Uh, because to your point, like I had written a book a few years ago, self-published it. I had written every single word of it. So from a, mm-hmm. a bucket list item, like I have written a book. Check that box. I feel good on that. You are someone that is, you love writing. You love books. You love publishing. You love that whole world. And I'm someone who's more of, I see the value of it. I just don't enjoy writing. And so you had said, you have any interest in writing a book? I'm like, yeah, kind of him-haw about it. And he said, you ought to, I remember you said that you ought to at least just meet with Chad while he's here in town. And Mm -hmm. so Chad and I went and we had coffee, chatted for a bit. And I really like Chad. Super nice guy. Very knowledgeable. And so it kind of came, I think, I don't remember exactly what happened from there, but it was basically asking, do you have any interest in, in doing the book? I was like, eh, you know, I don't know, maybe sort of ish. Yeah. And somehow it came to be like, your pitch was basically like, what if we work together on it? Like, what if I write the book for you? You said you went to lunch with Chad and I remember you were still sort of like not super excited about it. Yeah. Because I imagine that experience of writing a book was, um, you know, not was it was draining for you. It's not like yeah. speaking. It was it was not something that brought you life or energy. And and I basically encouraged you that I thought it was a, a good idea for the work that you do to have a book to sort of solidify you as an expert and to just get this stuff out yeah. there in a different format. And you, I think, jokingly said, "Well, I'd write the book. I, I would do it if you write the book for me." And I said, "Well, I'd write." <laughs> and I said. I said, well, I'll write the book because I thought you could get a pretty good book deal too. So I saw an opportunity there. And I said, well, I'll write the book for you if we split the money. And you said, okay. And I said, okay. And I think we were both sort of like bluffing each other. No way he's going to say yes. Are you yeah, serious? No, Are you serious? No way, no way he's going to say yes to this. And yeah, and that's what happened. You know, and then I think Chad came down another time and we met. Maybe it was that same trip. I can't even remember. We met. I remember we met. I think it was, he was in town again a couple months later. And we just met and talked about it and we're like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. In some ways, if I remember it, like it happened slow, but it also seemed like it happened fast because yeah. that was whenever, whenever, you know, you first brought it up when Chad first, when he and I first met, that was July, August. And by 2018, like, it's 2018. I think it was, I think it was 17. Uh, it's 2018. It's the spring of 2018. Cause we, we were under contract with the book by that. No, but summer. like we first had we first had a conversation in like the summer fall. Oh, of you're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah, because we turned yeah. in the book at the end of 2019. The book at, uh, or, or, uh, 2018. Yeah, we turned in the first version of the book in 2000 December of 2018. And then we spent a few months editing it. Yeah, in the spring of 2019, and then you know, here we are. Here we are. So whenever he. Chad had brought that up. I remember telling both, like I really liked Chad and I didn't necessarily want to get into the song and dance of trying to pitch to a whole bunch of publishers and and do that. I said, I see the value of the book. The book is a supplement to what we're doing in the business. It's not like a make or break thing that we need to do this in order just to eat and live indoors, but I can see how this can move the needle in what the Speaker Lab offers in other ways. So basically, I think you and I kind of agreed 
we're going to do this. We want to work together. We want to we want to work with Chad and work with Baker. And if we're going to do this, here's the the dollar amount that makes sense for both of us. And as long as we get that and we can check all these boxes, we'll do it. And I think we were yeah. also just kind of like, uh, this could also fall apart at any moment right. and yeah. neither of us, and right. both of us would be fine. And so ultimately we pitched with Baker and kind of went back and forth with them and they made a, a surprisingly strong offer, I think. And so I think we were again like, so are we doing this? I guess we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, we had a number in our head and they offered 30% of that number. <laughs> and they told, you know, they told us they were going to offer 30% of that number. And I just basically said, that's not, I sort of acted as the agent in that uh, deal. And I said, that's not going to work. This is the number that Grant wants. This is the number that works for the both of us. And, you know, and then we put together a stronger proposal and did, wrote a bunch of, you know, marketing stuff in there. I said, I would put my name on the book as well. And we would kind of co-promote it. And then they gave us a hundred percent of the number that we asked for. So there's a good little negotiation tactic <laughs> there. Like, this is the number that I want. No, not this that. Is it. Take it or leave it. it. We didn't yeah. have to like write it on a piece of paper and slide it across the table quietly to <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and you told me, you're like, we're, this either works or it doesn't. I'm not going to spend, you know, six months of my life trying book deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were both at a point where in terms of our businesses and careers, and I think the other thing to point out is like prior to all of this, like we'd been friends for a few years and have a mutual respect for each other and and knew that like, yeah, this would be a cool project, but there's also some, anytime like two good friends work together on this deep of a project, like it has a chance to go sideways. And so we were both kind of like, if we're going to do this, I want to make sure that we do it on, here's the terms, like we're going to work with on this, not only with the publisher, but with each other. Here's how it makes sense. Like we really, I felt like we really outlined each other's roles at the beginning well to know here's what you're responsible for. Here's what I'm responsible for. Here's what you want to do. Here's what you don't want to do. Here's what I don't want to do. Here's what I'm interested in doing. And I feel like, I mean, now that we're, you know, quote unquote at the finish line, I felt like it's really, it's really lived up to that. And we both brought you know, different strengths to the tables that have made, you know, the book what it is. So you were, I think it's okay to say that you're pretty hands off with this project, at least on the front end. So the way that this went, and this is the first ghostwriting project I did. And since then, we've got like eight or nine other projects in the pipeline that are at various stages. So thank you. You kicked that off. In fact, I think we, I think I have two or three clients that were referrals from you. And, and a lot of people that are mutual friends of ours saw this process happening and, and heard us talking about it. But, you know, basically what we did was we met, kind of outlined the book, got the big idea, and obviously worked with the publisher to figure out what excited you, what excited me, what excited them, and how that would, we thought that would work for an audience. Because you don't want to just say all the things that you've said before, and at the same time, like packaging your material, you know, through online courses, webinars, podcasts, into a book is a, is a different, you know, medium for that. But, you know, we basically met, I interviewed you half a dozen times once we had the outline of the book. And I talked to you basically for each chapter and part of the book. Got some stories that you hadn't told before. Then my assistant, Liz, did a bunch of heavy lifting uh, while we just, you know, went and played golf. You and I have been uh, friends for a long time, but we've never <laughs> played golf together. <laughs> do you play golf? I don't think you do. I, I do. A lot. Oh, really? Oh, we, we should do that. Liz went and interviewed a bunch of your top clients, yeah. people um, from your various courses. And, and so we got all that compiled. We had all this material. It was a very interesting process because I'd never written a book like that. I'd kind of done it for the past two books of mine where I had worked with an assistant. We interviewed a bunch of people. We had all this information that we had to assimilate. 
but I was basically working with you to get your story. We were taking pieces from your online courses and podcasts and, and walking people through your process of how to become a successful speaker. And then we were also getting these other people's stories. And there was a lot of moving parts. But my question for you is, you know, we're doing all this stuff and we're kind of heads down and I would update you, you know, once in a while, but there were these sort of stretches of just like, we were just working on stuff and you were doing your own thing and you just kind of trusted the process. It seemed or at least, you know, we didn't hear from you that much and I tried to update you, but you know, it's, it's a weird sort of process and we were kind of still finding our feet in terms of how this is going to work and what to expect. Cause when I'm writing a book for me, I just sit down and write it every day. Yeah. But here, here I am interviewing you, working with an assistant, lots of just moving pieces while still trying to write the book, communicating with a publisher, you know, working with deadlines, all that stuff. And what was that like to know that like somebody out there was like writing a book on your behalf and, you know, you didn't have a ton of insight into the process. I mean, when it was time to share something with you, we did. and You became much more involved as we got closer to becoming the finished project, which I'm curious about that because I can tell your energy increased once it was like a thing and you were going to have to promote it and whatnot. But question one is what was that like to know that like I was out there writing a book on your behalf and there were times where you just didn't really know what was going on. I think it was fine in the sense of like, that's what I knew I was signing up for, you know, meaning that if I, I'll give you an example. So a couple of years ago, we built a house and uh, I didn't build a house. I didn't hammer (laughs) a single nail. I didn't paint anything. But it's your house. Yeah. We discussed what the outcome was going to be and we were coming and checking on the progress regularly and seeing what they're doing. But like, I had no timeline of the schedule of like, oh, they should be painting this today and the floor should be going in here today and they should be, you know, putting up studs or drywall or whatever that stuff is. That's what, that wasn't what the, the deal was with the home builder, you know? So in the same way with you, I knew like we had discussed and we had outlined and we had planned like, here's what the end goal is and here's what the end product is. And you'd tell me whatever you need. Cause I think that's part of where it worked well was I knew, and you knew that like I had all the content there in various forms, whether like you said, a podcast or in courses or in interviews or in blog posts or in my head. Um, We had a lot of success stories and case studies and examples and colleagues and friends that we could pull from to share their stories. And it was all out there where you brought a ton was you were, you know, kind of the, the orchestrator, the composer who brings it all together and synthesizes it in a book form. And I think that that's where you are at your best As I knew, I knew not only did you know our content and you knew where to find it and we, we got you what you needed, but I knew like, you're really, really, really good at writing and way better than I am. And really good. Not just writing for, you know, cause it's one thing to write a, a blog post. It's another thing to write a card, a note, whatever, like writing a book is a different deal. And I know that you have gone down that road a lot. And I know that you are extremely knowledgeable and passionate about it and very, very good at it. So I guess for me, I, I didn't feel the need to like constantly check in or breathe over your neck because like you're really good at it. So like there's not much, like it didn't feel like there needed to be oversight on what to do. Like, Hey, why did you word it this way? Or why didn't you word it that way? Like you're the expert at wording things. Here's the content. Like let's work together and make sure the general big picture is what it needs to be. But the way something is worded, I have no idea how the home builder built this home that I'm sitting in right now, but I knew like the finished picture, it looks like that, you know? And so I felt like, I felt like going through the process. It was like, you know, it was like that with you. I just had massive respect and trust for you that Mm. you're not going to lead us astray. (laughs) Thankfully you didn't. So because it was your first ghostwriting project, you've done a lot of writing, you've done a lot of book writing, 
and all of it is in Jeff's voice. And so here's how Jeff would say it. And so I'm going to write it this way. But in this, I know that you did a great job putting it in my voice with my content. How did you find that balance? Because I remember a couple times you mentioned to me, like, I started to say it like this and you're like, Grant wouldn't say it like that. Or, um, so what was that process like you, uh, wearing, you're doing writing, you've done it before, but you're wearing kind of a different hat and, and playing a different part than you, than you're used to. Yeah, I, I think, you know, actors talk about this and I think I heard like Philip Seymour Hoffman say this in an interview where he was playing Truman Capote in a film and, and I've heard other people say this. I think Tom Hanks said this about playing Mr. Rogers as well. It's like the job of an actor is playing a historical figure as you know, it's a real person yeah. is different from like, it's not an impersonation, right? you're not trying to pretend to be that person. What you're actually doing is creating a character uh, based on that person and you're becoming that character, Yeah. right? That's why like when you see, you know, various Batman movies with different Jokers or even Batman, they don't act exactly the same, right? They're all not trying to be Jack Nicholson because he did that and that was his interpretation of the character and, and, you know, you have your interpretation of the character. Similarly, that's how I think of ghostwriting uh, I was talking to a, a new prospective client recently. We signed, and she said to me, "Can you write in my voice?" And I said, "No, of course not. Nobody can. That's why it's your voice, right?" Yeah. But what I can do is I can translate that voice into a character that resonates with your audience, that we both, you know, agree feels and looks and sounds like the best version of you when you're communicating this message. Yeah. Because and that, that, but I did. I just kind of fell into that. I didn't do that consciously. I remember, and I had written for people before in their voices for, you know, copywriting and and smaller ghostwriting projects, but I did, I found myself writing a book based on your message in my voice. And I was like, I can't do that. And then I also, because we would transcribe, we, we had so many transcriptions from times when I had interviewed you from podcasts, every video and every one of your courses we transcribed into written content. So we had a lot of you. Yeah. speaking right. in written form and you know that old adage people say write like you speak i mean that's terrible advice right it's not, it's not how it so? works <laughs> yeah it's a terrible advice yeah because that's that would be like speak like you write no it like you know you think about writing a speech yeah right most great speakers that i know don't recite it verbatim Right, right. right. Yeah. Because speaking is a performance and you start to say something and you see how the audience interacts with it. And you may improvise a little bit or you may have multiple directions in which you could take this speech. A great performer understands that it's not just me reciting words. And the obverse is true too, you know, so the opposite is true, which is there's more to writing than simply taking things that you would say and putting them down on the page. From everything as simple as not saying, and that's usually not a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. As much as, you know, in speaking, right? It's not as big a deal. Uh, if you're communicating in a compelling and interesting way, the occasional uh or um is not a big deal, right? Right, right, right. And, uh, but translate that into writing, that, that's, that looks silly, right? Um, and there's all kinds of other nuances. Like with you, you're very punchy, uh, very funny, and, and you speak in very simply. But you also, there are things that you do in, in your speaking, like you speak, you can you can speak very quickly, right? And and that can be a really useful humor device, right? Like, and so I was like, how do we? we that's impossible to translate to the written word. Mm-hmm. So my job was to translate your personality into 
what I would consider good writing, right? Yeah. And but it also had to be grant writing, right? So yeah. we kind of created a character. So there were times when I would sort of when I would get into it, and I would kind of embody you in in the way that I think an actor might embody a character. They kind of become that person. It's yeah. like speaking another language. If you become fluent enough in the language, you start thinking in that language. Right, yeah. sort of dream, dreaming in that language, and I started thinking like Grant, you know. And so I would like write these jokes that you had never said before, and then I would send them to you and go, "Do you like this? Do you not like this? Does this sound like you or whatever?" Right. But there were certain times where I did that. I tried to translate, you know, Grant saying something really, really fast that would be funny in front of an audience. Go, how do you translate that into the written word? And the way I would do it is just with sort of pacing, where like short sentence, short sentence, short sentence, really long sentence, short yeah. sentence. The really long sentence is the string of you know, funny words that you had kind of strung together. So that was fun and interesting. And I, I learned something through that process, but we, we just recorded the audiobook not too long ago, getting ready for the launch of the book. And you had read the book a few times. I like forced you to read the book to make sure you liked it. But what was it like to read it out loud months after we had both looked at the book and yeah. you know, getting ready to publish it? What was that like reading the book out loud? Because you even commented me because we were we were together when you were reading the audio book. Hey, this is a pretty good book. What was that like to read your own words written by somebody else? Like, did that feel like you? I mean, I'm just curious. Yeah, very much so. Because there were several parts or several lines where I said, I know that this particular thing I I do say that way. And right. whether it's like a, a key statement about speaking or something related to speaking or I don't know, some type of line or phrase that I've used before. I was like, I use that. That's me. I do that. Uh, so that was very cool. And I think, you know, when going through the audiobook, because we had talked about, yeah, we'd gone over several drafts before and you're kind of, you know, you're doing some step between reading word for word and skimming it. And so as you're, you're going through it and you're, you know, you're looking for kind of big things like, does this make sense? Does this flow? You know, that sort of thing. When you read the audiobook, one thing we were talking about is, uh, like you said, I talk fast. So having to really slow down and really read every word and enunciate and get some emotion mm -hmm. behind it. And so it really forces you to just take in the whole book. And so I told you numerous times, like, dude, this is really, really good. This is great. Mm -hmm. And so not only did it feel like the content was really strong, it felt like it felt like my content, um, but it felt like it was constructed in a really strong, powerful, effective way. So that was cool. It was really, really neat to see. Now, I'm yeah. also curious, like, I don't know that we ever really discussed this, but you were, and I've been doing a lot of these podcast interviews at this point, where... <clears throat> you were a kind of non ghostwriter ghostwriter, you know, like that was the deal from the beginning. Like you were going to be the ghostwriter. The publisher asked about putting your name on the cover as well. I was like, sure, mm -hmm. that doesn't bother me. And whereas a lot of books I know and a lot of quote unquote authors, a lot of big books are written by ghostwriters. And yeah. was that classified as like a dirty secret or it's kind of an no. unwritten secret or uh, it's a secret. It's a secret. Um, and so it was one of those things like the book was ghostwritten, but we're very public about here's who the ghost is. Do you have any perception or any thought on that? I, like I, I was fine telling people in part again, because like if you were just kind of a hired gun, there's a, a mutual friend of ours that I know wrote a book for another mutual friend and mm -hmm. there is zero mention or association or connection and same type of thing. Like all of the primary person's content just that someone else wrote it and if right. there's not like a it's not necessarily a co-branded thing in any way and that that's also fine so mm -hmm. so from your perspective is there any reason that we decided or didn't decide to do it this way 
Yeah, so a couple things. One, my experience of this was I had already written five books. Why would I go write a book for somebody else when I can just write my own book? And my answer to that was because I've never done it before and it might be fun or I might hate it. And Grant's a friend. I know that I'll do a good job. But if it totally flops, like it's going to be okay. Like he's like, we're going to be friends at the end. I, I know I'll still deliver a good book. And it's like, it's not, I know I'm not going to get in over my head and have some problem client or whatever. So it's an yeah. easy risk for me to take. Yeah. And it turns out I, I really enjoyed it. But I think there's a few different classifications of collaborations between writers and authors. The author's person who, who's, who owns the ideas and the writer's person who writes down the words. So you're the author, I'm the writer. And, and so there's co-authoring a book, yeah. right? Where they're both your ideas and, and the book is written in both of your voices. Uh, that can work. Right, Michael Hyatt did uh, a book like that, Living Forward, with mm -hmm. Daniel Harkavy, and that was a very successful book, and it was good for both of their careers. I've read books where it's not as helpful, but that's where you got kind of two authors, and you're not quite sure who's speaking now and what's going mm -hmm. on. These were all your ideas, so obviously it wasn't going to be a co-authored thing. There's what's called a named ghostwriter, which is what I was on this book, Grant Baldwin with Jeff Goins. The with almost always means ghostwriter. Yeah. Meaning these are all your ideas, but I did most, if not all, of the writing and packaging of, of the book. And and that happens a number of ways, often through some sort of interview where the writer interviews the author and, and takes all those notes and turns it into, you know, a well structured and well written book. Yeah. Then there's like a an unnamed ghostwriter, right? Yeah. And and that's just where the name isn't on the cover and there's no acknowledgement of it. All of those things are fine. And sometimes people, I remember being at the dentist and telling him that I was, he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm ghostwriting now. And he goes, what is that? It's, well, I, you know, I write a book for someone in their voice. And they go, and they get all the credit, you know? That's not fair. And I said, well, let me ask you something. When I walk around the street and people compliment me on my, on my teeth, which they certainly do, is it wrong that I don't give you credit for cleaning my teeth twice a year? Like, should I have your name on my teeth? He's mm -hmm. like, no, it's my job. I said, so me paying you to clean clean my teeth is all the credit that you need? He goes, yeah, of course. I go, exactly. So yeah. I get paid. I get paid to write the book. I don't care. That's my job. Yeah. Now, I do think some of the best top ghostwriters have certain brands. Ken Abraham is, is one of those people. He wrote books for Bob Dole, Chuck Norris, Joel Osteen. He's written all kinds of different books for different celebrities. And it's, it's always with Ken Abraham. Lynn Vincent is another one there. Like there are certain people that get to that upper, upper echelon of ghostwriter and like their ghostwriting is kind of a brand in itself. Yeah. Like, Oh, this was ghostwritten by that person. You know? Yeah. Wow. So that's called a named ghostwriter, but then there's an unnamed ghostwriter. Personally, I don't have, have any problem with either. And I don't care if the author talks about me or doesn't talk about me. Cause again, I'm just doing a job getting paid for it. Uh, strategically, there are probably some books that I wouldn't put my name on. Cause I also have a brand as an author yeah. for other stuff that I write. And I'm trying to keep that work pretty consistent. It made sense to put my name on, on this book for a couple of reasons. One, that was part of our deal with the publisher. They felt mm -hmm. like if we put both of our names on this, we'll be able to sell more copies and they were willing to give us more money for it. So that was, yeah. all right, all right, that's fine. And totally. then two, we have similar kinds of audiences. You know, we've done projects together where I promoted my stuff to your audience and vice versa. And so a lot of my audience, a lot of writers want to be speakers and a lot of speakers want to write books. And so this was a book where I felt like saying that we worked on this together was probably beneficial to both of our audiences, relevant to both of our audiences. And I, I, I felt could only help the book succeed more. Yeah, no, it definitely felt yeah. like, you know, in this case, 
because of the overlap, because of our friendship, because we're in similar spaces, one plus one equaled way more than two. And, you know, combining forces and wearing different hats for that seemed, you know, seemed to make a lot of sense. So, all right. So I'm curious to put a bow on this. Looking back now, the book is, the book is out. People can go get the book. Looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently? I don't know. I'm really happy with it. We started the book thinking that we could get it written in, I don't know, four months or something. And we had to extend that. So it took longer, but I don't think I would change anything. I guess, you know, in a few weeks, depending on how many copies we sell. (laughs) No, I don't have any regrets. I felt like we covered a lot of different kinds of stories and talked with a lot of different people. And there's a diversity of stories in the book. and, And we didn't get too like time sensitive with talking about technology or things like that. So it's, I think it's hopefully a bit more of a perennial kind of book. I don't, I mean, I don't think so. Cause it just went so well between us. I'm sure I could nitpick something and be like, Oh, I, you know, I wish I would have, you know, communicated more or whatever, but like, unless you've got some major complaint that you never told me about, like, I felt like that process went pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. I, you know, I, I told you from the beginning and I remember telling Chad Allen that if we're going to do this, I'm interested in doing this with that kind of trio with, you know, you, me Mm. and and Chad. And so I wasn't interested in shopping for ghostwriters or shopping for publishers. And I knew that this was going to make a difference in the speaker lab and in the business that we have, but it wasn't like, I didn't feel like I'm, you know, I have this huge manuscript and I'm trying to find the perfect combination of, yeah. I was like, I, here's the combination. Let's figure out what the project looks like. So yeah, I've, I've told numerous people on the record, off the record, like I, it's been a very positive experience. I would hundred percent do it again and would, you know, would highly recommend it. And I think at the end of the day, like we're still friends, we've had a great experience and I still you know, tell other people, because uh, I think that's been a, a definite byproduct for you is, is people saying, does, or at least asking me like, hey, does Jeff do this for other people? Yeah, yeah, it's actually become like a, you know, a thing yeah. that he does and very, very good at it. Highly recommend, you need to go talk to Jeff about it. And so, mm-hmm. and the other thing I'm, I'm, we didn't really touch on, but real quick, you, in the year of really working on this, you magically had a really good year with speaking as well. Can you oh, yeah. give, give us that story? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So going back to regrets, I didn't have any regrets, but if I probably would have if my assistant Liz hadn't been so involved, Liz Morrow, she yeah. uh, I mentioned her before, she kind of became a research assistant during this project. And I realized like, I hate all the, the grunt work and the putting together Google Docs of transcripts, because she would go through and edit all that stuff, compile it. She drafted the first initial draft of the book, right? So I'm your ghost. She's my ghost. And it really was a, you know, it was a a team effort, but I probably one wouldn't be taking on multiple clients at a time if it weren't for her. And, and two, I probably would have gotten through this project and and been pretty exhausted. But I I wrote this book the way that I would have written my own book, which is I would work with an assistant to, you know, help me find these stories or this kind of data or whatever, instead of me spending all this time reading articles and doing this, that, or the other thing, like I like getting down to the, the writing. So yeah. many props to Liz Morrow, the, the secrets right. hero of the project. Yeah. So what's funny is I'm writing this book and I'm trying to have, I'm trying to have my best year of speaking and I am not connecting the dots truly because I started the book. We started the book and basically had finished it by the beginning of 2019. And then we were in edit. So I'm editing this book 
while I've decided to really kind of relaunch a speaking career. And I'm just kind of trucking along. I'm trying to do two gigs a month in the year of 2019. And I'm just going through and every month I'm booking it. And about halfway through the year, I'm at an event and I just like instinctively write a thank you note at the event that I'm going to give to the person before I leave, which is a classic Grant Baldwin move, you know, thank you (laughs) notes galore. And I'm realizing like I've internal, I I mean, I've internalized it. Like I I was writing this book, you know, going through all of your material, listening to all of it, thinking, how am I going to get more speaking gigs? How am I going to get more speaking gigs? And about halfway through the year, I realized I'm having the best year of speaking. And it's because I've internalized all this. You, I said before, you Miyagi'd me, you know, wax on, wax (laughs) off. It was really fun to go, oh, hey, this really does work. And I wasn't even consciously applying it. I was seeing it work in real time. And and there's even, there's little things in the book, like when Grant gets to a speaking gig, he makes he he goes into the venue and checks out the venue and makes friends with the production team and asks them some questions about themselves and you know uh talks to the person who's managing the the merch table or whatever it is because there's all these other people other than just your the person who booked you your client that can really kind of help or make or break your experience there and you know we were at an event recently in nashville and i did that as soon as i walked in i found the audio guy and i just started talking to him and cutting up with him a little bit, just trying to build some rapport. And then I was like, Hey, by the way, I, I, you've got these kinds of mics, but I need this kind of mic. Do you have any of those? And he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, I got you. And that was a thing that I learned from you. Like just be nice to everybody, make friends with everybody, especially the people that are going to get overlooked at the event. One, you know, that's what being a good person is about. And then two, you just never know how that can help you create a better experience uh, for the audience as well. So that was, It was fun. Yeah. So it yeah. works. It's a great project. Really excited about it. We're glad that it's out and we're glad that it's done. <laughs> now yes. that we can get it in the hands of people so that yeah. uh, uh, others can see the same results that, uh, that you have uh, in your own speaking business. So the successful speaker, five steps for booking gigs, getting paid and building your platform out. Now you can find it over at thespeakerlab.com slash book, thespeakerlab.com slash book, or you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, wherever books are sold. Go to a bookstore. I'm excited. I got, I got to go to a bookstore and actually see it yeah. there. I'm, I'm excited yeah. about that. So uh, well, I've been telling my girls that I'm going to take them there to see daddy's book. So hopefully it's yeah, actually there. Fun. And um, when people buy the book, this is something that I think is, is worth mentioning. There were things that we didn't put in, into the book because they were time sensitive. And every year or two, these things change, things like technology, tools, et cetera. But you put together a bunch of bonuses and resources for people who buy the book they get some bonuses just with any version of the book. Can you talk briefly about that? And again, where they find all that? Yeah. So we have a, a lot of bonuses for the, the book itself. So there are several things that, like you mentioned, either not necessarily time sensitive, but maybe, you know, we're publishing this book in 2020 and, the, and there are tech pieces that may be out of date in 2021 or 2022. And even some examples that you, you couldn't really show well within the book. So we created a whole bunch of resources that are available. Should we give the URL or feel like they need to get the book to get the URL? Give the URL pretty sure it is speakerbookbonus.com speakerbookbonus.com so uh yeah go check that out a lot of free bonuses there but yeah we are extremely extremely proud of the book i had a blast working with you on it and uh virtual cheers to you and on to the next one yeah yeah no it was great and you were very generous with this book grant took every idea that he'd ever written about talked about taught about and in many ways put a lot of that stuff into the book didn't hold anything back and even 
the bonus resources that people get when they buy the book, they can download this the most up-to-date resource list on how to succeed as a speaker. I mean, it's, it's very generous. You didn't hold anything back. So thanks for sharing that. I know it's going to help a lot of people. Thanks, man. All right, there you go. The behind the scenes look at the successful speaker. Again, the book is out now. Pick it up wherever books are sold. Uh, Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid and building your platform. And uh, if you are sick of hearing about it, then all you got to do, just go pick up a copy. Everything that I know about the speaking world is in that book. So go pick it up. It's going to help you put action to it. Don't just read it, put action to it. We designed this book to be a handbook, a guide, a resource that you can continue to come back to as you build and grow your speaking business. So again, go pick up The Successful Speaker. Go check it out. You can find it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million or wherever you buy your books at your local bookstore. Pick up The Successful Speaker. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us, my friends. We appreciate you checking out the book and we appreciate you going on this journey with us. So we will catch you next time. You're awesome.